Centuries of freedom have taught us to think in terms of continuous improvement of an always better future. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto podcast. I'm Austin Knight, and I am joined today, as always, by my co-host, Matthew Howes-Barbie. Hey, Austin. Uh, Hey, everyone. So we hope that you all had a great holiday period spent with friends and family, and hopefully you're taking some time out to catch up on any of our episodes that you missed. <laughs> yeah, there are no excuses now. Too much <laughs> Christmas dinner, I believe, has has been the cause of that. Uh, so uh, I I actually I was I was thinking about this the other day. I was getting some holiday gifts together for uh, some family and friends last week. Super last minute, as always. And I was remembering uh, that that I bought everyone on my team, uh, that is at my my company, the uh, that I work at. So I'd bought them all a hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin last year as a holiday gift, and oh, everyone boy. was <laughs> everyone was super excited about it. I was like, yeah, this is gonna be really cool. Maybe it'll be worth a bunch more, like in just like by this time next. Uh, Christmas, next holiday period, right? Uh, most of them hadn't owned any crypto before. Uh, I just did the math and it is literally worth less than 20 bucks now. So it turns out I am the worst boss in the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you get any crypto related gifts? Like, did you give any crypto related gifts this year? And have you ever actually done anything like that in the in the past, Austin? Um, yeah, so I did a little bit of that uh, last year, just sort of like amongst family, but, you know, stuck to the sort of don't spend more than you're willing to lose mantra. Mm -hmm. And um, we, yeah, but that's, that's basically the extent of that. And of course we've held on to it all. Didn't sell any of it. That's sort of like my MO with this stuff is I don't really care where it goes. I care a little bit more about the the technology. Right. And that's what I sold Mm -hmm. everybody on. But yeah, I, I, I think that like, if you look at the value of what it was, at least when we were buying it at this time last year and where it is now, it's a little shocking, but of course we've all kind of been through that and and mourned over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yes, I feel like that's all we we touch on. Well, I am I am yet to sell a single piece of uh, cryptocurrency since the the first that I owned. So I am I am well in that bucket, and that yeah. is fine with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, should we jump into some of the main stories that uh, we've had over the past couple of weeks? We've got a few a few quite lighthearted ones in, in here, and then also some more serious stuff that, that we cover. So let's jump straight in. So the first story that we're going to be discussing is certainly not something that is lighthearted, and really is a consequence, I think, at least, and that's what a lot of these companies are, are saying is the reason, is a consequence of the bear market that we're in. And I know I know, we keep saying that, but it's focused on some of the more high-profile companies in the blockchain space actually having to make layoffs. And the there was an article that was released in Coindesk, and a, uh, there was also... A big piece actually on this from the Wall Street Journal that was talking about, I think that the article was titled, The Latest Thing in Cryptocurrency is Layoffs. And one of the companies 
that's been at the forefront of this has been consensus. And the Ethereum production studio, we we actually spoke with Andrew Keys from Consensus back in series two, which is actually one of my favorite interviews we've we've done to date where we're talking about tokenization. But yeah, that was a great chat. Oh, it was so, so fascinating. Tokenization is something that I think we could both talk about for hours. But in in this case, they're actually letting go of 13% of all of their staff. That that really surprises me. Especially some of those recent acquisitions they've made for non nominal amounts of cash. I think we were talking about this with planetary resources, the the literal asteroid <laughs> mining company yes. that they bought. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a tough one. Uh, I, I think that you're you're correct in your uh, takeaway from this being that you know this is an effect of the bear market that we're facing. Um, and uh, there is actually another in another story that, that we are going to cover later. There was an interesting quote um, that I, I noticed in the article where the person that is behind this product that, that they're creating centered on, on the blockchain around cryptocurrency said, if you can build an efficient model that can survive and thrive in a bear market, it's a bonus. Kind of, you know, mm. flipping this idea on its head and saying, like, it's really tough right now. We're having to make sacrifices. A lot of people are saying this isn't the right time, you know, to be building crypto tech or blockchain tech. But at the same time, if you can prove your concept when the market is against you, there probably is some weight to it. So I don't know, maybe that's a, a, at least a silver lining to the companies that even, you know, in the face of layoffs and downsizing are still, uh, by some measures, surviving and thriving. But yeah. at least in this case, uh, consensus said... Quote, excited as we are about Consensus 2.0, our first step in this direction has been a difficult one. We are streamlining several parts of the business, including Consensus Solutions, Spokes, and Hub Services, leading to a 13% reduction of Mesh members. So I think that what they're saying here is, look, we've got a lot of great stuff planned that we're very excited about and we're actively working on right now. And that's not going to stop, but we've determined that in order for us to achieve this properly, we have to uh, reduce in some areas. And uh, unfortunately, yeah. this area being personnel. Yeah. And I think I do think it is a good point that you bring up actually around like being able to launch a product in a bear market like is a bonus. I I've seen multiple times, I've listened to interviews with some of the top developers on uh, Ethereum in particular, um, and and also uh, some of the Bitcoin core developers, and most of them said that it was so much tougher to be able to get stuff done and like get back to building around some of like the the big bull runs near the end of 2017. Like, all right, great, there's so much more coverage of it, but everything they're doing is being like scrutinized. Every tiny little thing that they're looking at, everything's focused on the price and not the technology. Yeah. And I remember in the middle of 2018, as we started to really get into, well, maybe around April, as we start to see that first big price slump. Yeah. A lot of the Ethereum developers were like, you know, this is kind of good. People are not talking about like all the hype anymore. And we're, we're talking about scaling solutions and things like that. So I think there is something there. I mean, I, I don't think any company wants to have to lay people off and 
You mentioned Consensus 2.0. This was very much a strategic shift in their focus. But you know, like sometimes running a business, tough decisions have to be made. I, I saw, uh, we, we shared a couple of articles and there was like a town hall meeting with um, the Consensus staff. And I think I read somewhere from uh, one of the comments that one of the Consensus employees made was like, they had like an open town hall meeting and it was like asking questions like what's our what's our run rate how much cash have we got left in the bank and um i think their annual burn rate was something along the lines of 100 million it may be or something crazy like yeah. that but then someone else was like which i thought was quite a, an incredible statement was like am i allowed to give up my job in replace for one of those that has been laid off because I just think they're more important to the company. I was like, wow. That, that is a really selfless thing to say, but also you've really, you've really diminished your, uh, your value there. Yeah. <laughs> <in terms of, laughs> yeah. But you know, Matt, I think that this, that is to me, the way that I interpret that is that a lot of the people working on these projects, they, this is way more than a job for them. This yeah. is, they, they care yeah. about the potential of this technology and they want to see it succeed because they know what it can accomplish if it does succeed. Uh, and, and I, that, that to me is like, that's, that's a huge part of, of why, you know, even you and I, I think are, are still taking the time to record these episodes every yeah. week, you know, in spite of like, like, you know, even on the podcast level, like growing a podcast in a quote bear market, you know, yeah. in, in terms of at least the topic is not like the easiest thing to do. But quite honestly, we don't really care as much about that as, as we care about, mm -hmm. you know, learning about this ourselves, seeing this technology through and sharing that with as many people as possible, whoever is interested. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's, it's so much easier, even like you say on the podcast level, right, to be pumping out new episodes while everyone's super interesting. And instead of our inbox being full of people just asking us about the intricacies of some of the technology, and they're, they're, they're instead asking us, which ICO should I be investing in next, right? And it's like, <laughs> it's like okay, well, there's, there's pros and cons to this. And another comment that one of the employees from Consensus uh, was quoted on, which I thought was just a bit of a reality check as well, and is a very fair point. And, and, and I'll just read what, what they, they said here was, at some point this needed to happen, but we didn't expect the change so fast. Adding that this could have been driven by the current ETH price, which is approximately 88 bucks per piece. And I think the point here, right, is like, I don't think anyone really expected such a dramatic shift in price. I think even the most skeptical of, yeah. uh, of people were not expecting, especially what's happened in December with Ethereum plunging below a hundred bucks as well. Uh, look, you, you can't always plan for stuff like that. So, okay, some could argue you should always plan for the worst, but I think that even the worst was not expected to be quite as bad as this. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and just to <clears throat> tail off on this as well, this isn't just consensus. Uh, so Bitmain, uh, one of our favorite companies to talk about, uh, they're, <laughs> they're always in the uh, always in the news. They they made, albeit a much smaller scale, uh, they they had some of uh, they had an operation set up in Israel actually, and they they put together a, a, a decent size investment into a big development center there, and 
during all of the uncertainty, we've obviously had the um, Bitcoin Cash fork. And this was uh, a couple of months ago in October 2018. They laid off nearly 23 employees, I think it was. In fact, I think that might have actually been in uh, November that this happened. But they're another company, and even the biggest of the uh, of the companies in this space, Coinbase, are not immune to that. They they generated around one billion dollars in revenue during uh, 2017's bull market, but they've also laid off nearly three percent of their workforce uh, at the same time around October. And just to come back to one of the points you made, Austin, right? Like Brian Armstrong, CEO of Coinbase, if you don't know. Uh, He actually said that bear markets are a time to build a strong foundation so that we can thrive in the next growth cycle. Um, Now, it's worth noting here, right? Coinbase was recently valued at $8 billion after one of their most recent rounds of investment, which was a private round of funding, not an ICO, of $500 million. And even they are not immune to some of this stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I. It's affecting everyone. With that said, Coinbase is like I think they're less than a thousand employees. They're they're somewhere around like yeah. eight eight or nine hundred employees. So, uh, not to you know diminish the individual impact that that three percent of layoffs has on the people mm-hmm. that were caught up in that. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it's, you know, when we say 3%, it's not like they're slashing hundreds of people because there's some gigantic org. Um, it's, it's really like they fired, you know, a handful of people and bucketed it together as a layoff. I, at least that's how I interpreted that. Um, yeah. I mean, even like we, we know ourselves being in the tech space, like general employee attrition often accounts for more than that on a yeah. on an annual basis. So you're not going to be too worried. I, I think that in this case, it wasn't just attrition. It was a specific response to um, the, the market. But again, yeah, 3 or 4% of that company is not, it's nowhere near at the level of consensus, which uh, astonished me the sheer amount of employees that consensus actually employed when I was digging into this. Uh, I, I could be... I could be wrong here, but I believe it was over a thousand. Yeah, um, I think it was like twelve hundred people or something like that, which blew my mind actually. But it shows why they're one of the biggest uh, companies in the uh, and, and names in the Ethereum space, and if not the the entire crypto space. Yep, crazy times. Crazy times. Speaking of crazy times, <laughs> if you're planning on heading over to London anytime soon, why not buy some crypto from the back of cabbie Dave Jenkins' black cab? This yes. is uh, such a great story uh, that was in uh, decryptmedia.com. We'll share out the links, of course. What, what's going on here, Austin? What are, what are my fellow countrymen doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the crazy Brits are at it again, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually uh this is a very wholesome story I think. Uh Dave Jenkins if you if you click the link that we'll we'll have in the description to the Decrypt Media article it's it's really worth a read. It'll take you like 3 minutes and you will love Dave by the end of it. He has some of as Matt said before we started recording he was like these are the most British quotes I've read in such a long time. <laughs> it was it was so nice. It, it took me back home. Uh it was a great feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Dave is calling himself the crypto cabbie, and he actually has a built-in 
touchscreen device, which is made by a UK-based company called Fast Bitcoins, which basically lets people buy Bitcoins directly in the back of his cab. Um, and when I was first reading about this, I was kind of like, all right, like, how does this actually work? And honestly, the, the article doesn't really explain it. So I did a little bit of digging. And as far as I can tell, you purchase the the Bitcoin uh, through this like touchscreen terminal that he has in his cab. And then it spits out a receipt. I, I'm pretty mm. sure that this is how it works, a, like a paper receipt yeah. with a token on it. And then you can go to their website and then use the the like the code that you have to obtain the actual Bitcoin and put it in your wallet. Is that how you interpreted that as well, that, Matt? Yeah, it's kind of almost like when you're at a theme park and you have to like redeem the tokens yeah. at the end. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it was kind of like that. It was kind of a little bit strange. But uh, again, it's such a wholesome read. I th- This is probably my favorite my favorite quote from Dave the Crypto Cabbie. And it, it, it was kind of talking about like, what? why why do this in the back of a cab like why why even bother with this and and dave said if you try and mess about with registering with coinbase or bitstamp or whatever you know all these different things it's a lot of aggravation to send off your passport blah 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 even a lot of bitcoin atms they want your phone number and all that <laughs> i just <laughs> i i love it i love that he's just like i am going to try and just make this super simple it it didn't it wasn't like he was saying, oh, I'm trying to make a load of cash off this. He's just, he is genuinely really passionate about Bitcoin and the the blockchain movement. And I think he just wants to make it as accessible as possible. And uh, I love reading stories like this because I think it's super interesting. And I I just, I I wonder how many people even use it. Uh, I can imagine he talks people to death about Bitcoin. (laughs) Yes, Uh, it's a long cab ride. (laughs) It certainly would be. Uh, But Dave, when I'm in London next, I'm going to be looking out for you and your cab, and we're going to go buy some Bitcoin from your backseat. So that should be good fun. Um, I'll let you know if I find Dave, and I'll report back with my my voucher and my Bitcoins, hopefully. (laughs) Please do, Matt. (laughs) We will all be waiting. (laughs) So speaking of some interesting, interesting Bitcoin buying developments, Square, which is a payment platform, in case you're not familiar with it, uh, that's actually operated by Jack Dorsey, who is also the CEO Mm. of Twitter. So he's like famously CEO of two companies. Double CEO. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So Square actually has recently surpassed Coinbase to become the most widely used iOS app to buy Bitcoin. This surprised me so much. Yeah, uh, that is uh, that came out of nowhere, I yeah. think. Um, so how did they do this? Uh, th- this is maybe why this announcement has been a bit shocking to people is primarily they didn't do it under the Square brand. So they mm. did this through a separate but integrated with Square app that they created called Cash App. And even though it became the most widely used iOS app to buy Bitcoin on the iOS platform, it's also available on Android if you're interested. So if you're an Android user, you can get Cash App in the same way that you can get it on iOS. And I really encourage you all to download this app and play around with it because I think that it confirms a lot of what Matt and I have been speculating uh, as like the big opportunities for advancement in terms of 
Bitcoin and general cryptocurrency adoption at, at, like, at a wider scale. Um, so primarily, this is just a simple cash transaction app. So you could think of something like Venmo or TransferWise, but actually simpler. Uh, the UI is like really straightforward. And then just magically, in addition to being able to transact in cash, you can actually buy and sell Bitcoin. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, that's really, really cool. I think the big thing here is like usability, right? Like, and it, this is what we keep coming back to. And we've talked about Coinbase. We've talked about how they just nailed the user experience. They made it so simple. And I know yourself, Austin, being a user experience purist, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is a really nice interface. Uh, it, it, it's super easy easy to use and with stuff like this i feel like also even simple things that probably have gone unnoticed here calling it cash app and not something just like crypto related that will scare and intimidate people it's just such a a a a simple simple way to introduce people that are actually quite intimidated by all of the technicalities of this and don't want it to be very technical. Yeah. And I also think that making it a cash app where it's like primarily it's just a simple cash transaction app. And then you can also do Bitcoin if you want. That sort of uh, flips the the way that the value proposition is set up as well. Right. Uh, and it mm-hmm. opens the door to more sort of casual, mainstream, normal users that would use something like Venmo or TransferWise. And then it's like, oh, wait, I can also buy and sell Bitcoin. Uh, and interestingly, Square has kind of been fairly open about this, that their primary value proposition here is usability. And it shows through in the app. The app itself has a ridiculously simple interface. So cash transacting, it's like it's literally just a giant number entry for request and pay transactions. And then if you just tap over to the Bitcoin tab, what you'll see is like a chart of values over time, like how Bitcoin is trending. And then there's just a giant number entry for buying and selling. Uh, It's so simple and straightforward and non-intimidating. But at the same time, they also do a really great job of explaining Bitcoin in like a very straightforward, simple and human way. Like when you first tap on the Bitcoin tab to where you could buy and sell Bitcoin, you actually get hit with a modal on your first run that will say it'll tell you what Bitcoin is. And it says it's a volatile digital currency. And then it's got a button to mm. learn more about it. I like I like that. I like that a lot. And yes. I think like the, the, the point you make right around is like just a simple giant number entry people have got used to that that interface with things like venmo now uh, and they've built those habits in other apps that are just doing this similar thing you just pop up type in the number send it and you don't need to overcomplicate things people have got inherent habits that they've started to form from these other apps don't try and reinvent the wheel go with what people are comfortable with make slight improvements but keep it simple and focus to what people actually are doing already i'm just surprised at how much a lot of the the websites the wallets the apps that are trying to focus on the mass market just completely miss the point on this yeah i i know it's uh we've we have talked about this a lot and i think that we're seeing it start to manifest itself more and more that um this is a huge 
opportunity, I guess you could say, uh, in this space to uh, appeal to a broader market and um, become a, a big player. You know, not it's there's a, of course a lot of opportunity in the tech itself, but the way that the tech is delivered and designed and the experience that users have when interacting with the tech is just as important, if not, I would actually argue at this import at this. Uh, point in time, it's even more important than the tech itself. Um, I yeah. probably piss off a lot of people, and you know, maybe that's just a designer <laughs> speaking. Um, but tech doesn't really matter if it can't be used and accessed. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's what Square is uh, pushing forward with here. And that's why they've been so successful. If, if you download the app, the onboarding is just frictionless. It's so fast. Like if you're a pre-existing Square user, of which there are over 75 million in the U.S. alone, wow. then all of your banking information is already going to be set up in this app. So you don't even have to input a debit card or a bank account. Furthermore, so is it all is it all linked up? then basically yes. if you're already a ah nice yeah Th the, that just means they've got this huge user base that they can pile in as well right yep yeah i mean it's it's like actually a, a, a big i guess you could say arbitrage opportunity for mm -hmm. um square here where they can leverage their existing user base and all, like all of the data that they have there which actually empowers them to not require users to go through uh kyc know your customer oh, yeah. verification period which i'm sure we're all used to having to do with oh, like God, cryptocurrency yeah. exchanges so you know you don't need to give over like a government id or evidence of income bank statement or like wait you know 24 hours 48 hours maybe seven days <laughs> who knows yeah that that all and i is wonder going how many people up. come back to those apps after yeah. waiting like seven days you just like i just i just wanted to play around and see if this is even useful so this is a huge advantage for them in just removing that drop-off point removing friction is perfect yeah, absolutely, man. But at the same time, even if, even if you're not an existing Square user, what really stood out to me was that still the process of getting set up with Cash App is like super simple thanks to their interface and the user experience that they've created. So once again, I think, you know, we're, we're seeing another example, much like Coinbase and several other players in this space that have said, you know, we're going to, to create a, a good underlying base of technology, but we're not going to stop there. We have to make the interface intuitive, useful, and accessible to a wider audience so that this isn't just, you know, tech-oriented people that are obsessed with the technology that can access this, but anybody could use it. And in fact, they could use it in the same way that they would use uh, pre-existing uh, financial apps that they have on their device. So, you know, many of like the uh, user experience paradigms that you would be used to in a, a banking app or a transaction app are all present uh, in Cash mm. App. And I, I think that that is, that's a, a big part of why the adoption rate has gone up so fast in such a short period of time. Man. Jack Dorsey's going to have to write us a check for that glowing review. Oh, yeah, I know. We were not paid for that. This is purely organic. <laughs> no, I, I, I like those. Sometimes, like, on the podcast, right, like, we, we just start, we come across things that are just genuinely great. And I think for, if you're listening to the podcast, and especially if you've been a long-time listener, you've probably tried like a million and one different apps tools software the different exchanges all the different wallet solutions and 
99% of them are just an absolute nightmare. So when we do come across really interesting, cool stuff, I think it's always worth us actually surfacing these so you can go try them out yourself. I'd never used Cash App before until we started digging into this so I could just play around with it. And I think it might be a regular appearance in my uh, in my iPhone. So awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah. Cool enough, uh, related to this, Square has actually said that they're not looking to make it profitable just yet. So they wanted, they said that they want to drive its utility and user base first. The uh, CFO, Sarah Fryer, actually said it's not a major monetization engine. The goal is to continue to drive utility in the cash app. And for me, this is kind of an example of the leverage that fintech incumbents, even as young as Square, I know it's kind of weird to call them an incumbent, but they really are yeah. at this point. Yeah, no, um, yeah. They can can have a lot of leverage when they innovate in this space. It's just a matter of, you know, getting them to 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 push with that innovation. And I I it's not mentioned in the article, but um I'm like I, I'm a square merchant and user myself. And I remember, gosh, I think it was in early 2017, if not in 2000, late 2016, Square started accepting Bitcoin payments. So you could kind yeah. of see like the technology evolving internally where they're like, okay, you know, it's in beta. Like you can start accepting Bitcoin on your website as a payment. And then now all of a sudden they're bringing it to like a mass consumer level and a different app. I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see this stuff integrated more and more into the Square brand itself as it becomes less of a goal to drive utility and more of an avenue where they can monetize something like this. Yeah, that was definitely in 2017. I remember when that happened. And I think they they actually processed a fair few Bitcoin transactions and they weren't the only ones. I, I think we were talking about this actually back in maybe April time potentially, but we I remember Stripe doing a similar thing, setting up Bitcoin payments. I remember Reddit started accepting a lot of stuff in Bitcoin and then Steam, the gaming platform, they started accepting it. And a bunch of them actually ended up removing it around all of the time, actually leading up to the the huge bull run in December, just because of the crazy volatility. They didn't know how to manage it within their existing platforms. So I think it's quite a clever move to isolate this out, make sure it's not like fucking up what you, you've already got going on and you can kind of just make sure you can control things. And then I th- I agree with you, Austin. I think that there'll be then some uh, some integration that starts happening with the base platforms and it becomes more of like an integrated thing, especially after what we've started talking about as well, right, over the past couple of weeks with all of the other big players starting to come up with their own blockchain and crypto and payment solutions, especially around this, this time of the bear market. So yeah. Lots of lots of cool stuff there. I'd recommend uh, to anyone listening, just go download the Cash App, see what you think. And if 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 you've come across any cool apps as well that are similar that you think are um, worth me and Austin checking out, send them through to us. Uh, tweet us at the Coin Offering. Drop us a pod uh, an email to podcast at thecoinoffering.com. We'll check them out and uh, let you know what we think. Yeah. So speaking of interesting things to check out, uh, there is a recent... What a, tra- what a transition that was, Austin. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Smooth. I love it. <laughs> uh, there's a, a really good report that uh, Coindesk just put out, their quarterly state of blockchain uh, report. And it's mm. a comprehensive look at the key trends, data, and events in the blockchain space for Q3 of 2018. This is a giant report, so we're not yeah. going to be able to cover everything that, <laughs> that's in it, but we'll link to it. A few highlights include um, the entire market, 
lost about 11%, falling from $243 billion to $215 billion. However, when analyzing month over month, they did find that the negative growth is diminishing. So hmm. um, the the downtrend is slowing down despite still being down. September saw a negative 7% uh, trend compared to prior months this year, which were in the negative double digits. And I, I know that that's not like positive news necessarily, but it's also not the most negative news um, that we yeah. could see come out of Q3. Yeah, I love these reports that um, that CoinDesk put together. Um, I, I always check them out every quarter when they do them. They're great. They're like you say, they are so detailed, um, and they just have so many like interesting little snippets within it. Like a few that we pulled out, right? It was like Bitcoin's price grew by three percent with news of positive adoption developments on the Lightning Network and Square Cash, which we've been talking about. Uh, however, like, and we, we did a few conversations. I think we did pretty much a whole episode around the ETF, uh, rejection stuff, which slowed growth. EOS transaction counts jettisoned 7,255% in July. Just a small increase there. Uh, <laughs> this is the result of its blockchain going live, right? The main net went live in June, but it hit negative growth of 68% in September. And I think we all know that the Q4 report is probably going to be even, even more yeah. gloomy. Yep. Also, a few other highlights. ICO funding for Q3 settled at a total of $2.3 billion, which was actually down 68% since the last quarter. This and, one blows my mind because yeah. I, I I don't know whether, and I, I'd like to hear your opinion on this, Austin. I, I don't know whether it's I've just become so accustomed to the noise of ICO, but I I just don't I just don't see as much buzz going about with with ICOs, um, especially around uh, the past or at least the second half of this year. It like you know what it was like in January and December of 2017 in particular. It was just like everything, your, your entire Twitter feed, your email, Reddit was just like new ICO launching. It's going to be the biggest thing. Where where are these this $2.3 billion going to? I, I, know. I don't see it as much. Yeah, it, it, that's true. Even though it's down 68%, $2.3 billion still sounds like a lot of money to be throwing around at ICOs. And I agree with you. I feel like a lot of the noise on uh, the ICO front has quieted down. Maybe mm. that's because um, we're tuning it out. I, I I don't know, but maybe it's because DJ Khaled and Floyd Mayweather are not allowed to promote them anymore. <laughs> that's, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> that would that would make sense. That's yeah. now that they have been silenced. It's just I've I mean I've lost all of my sources for good ICO advice. So <laughs> I, I I just want to know what's what's happening with Acon's uh, coin. Acoin. <laughs> that's what I want to know. <laughs> when are we going to hear about that? Yeah. Now, unsurprisingly, um, there, so there's a really cool survey portion of this report that we'll dig into a little bit. But uh, at, at one part of this, they surveyed respondents on you know how they felt about the current market. And 52% of respondents did agree that we are in a bear market, but 58% <laughs> consider prices to be undervalued. And this is a what trend. Are, what I are think... the 48% doing, Austin, uh, that they that they disagree that we're <laughs> yeah, in a bear like, market right yeah, now? Yeah, this is are about they... correct. 
<laughs> no, I disagree. I this I feel great about this. This is a bull market for sure. <laughs> so, oh wow! Yeah, I, this is it, it, really really cool data to to look through if you've got some time. It's a huge report, over two hundred slides, but it's totally worth digging through. Uh, kind of as Matt, Matt mentioned, this is the type of thing that I think you know. Once you see it the first time, you'll start to look forward to it uh, every every quarter that they put this out. There's a ton of nice uh, data visualizations. As I mentioned, the survey at the end, they they got a lot of really interesting responses and kind of like my macro takeaway from it was, yeah, bear market. Uh, there are some major technological gaps, uh, you know, with the the, the way that everything is currently set up, like uh, on Bitcoin specifically, when respondents were asked to rank the cryptocurrency on its positive aspects, the one that actually came in dead last was, quote, it's great for payments and as a medium of exchange, which oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I believe that that's like the number one thing it's supposed to do. So Yeah. Um, I, well, I thought one of the, the, the real good pull quotes from that in particular as well was like, they, they asked, how often do you spend your cryptocurrencies on goods or services? And the majority of responses across every currency was almost never. And, yeah. And you know what? Like I, 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 I would laugh at that. I'm personally a huge proponent of the of the blockchain space. This this whole like what I would now kind of class as a broader movement. And I very rarely purchase goods. I I, I often pay for services like uh, via cryptocurrency. Still, um, so. We, I work with a bunch of freelancers on like some web projects, and I actually do still pay in cryptocurrency. And I have to be completely honest, it is still a bit of a pain in the ass to do yeah, that. Yeah, It's just a bit of a nightmare because you still have to add funds to your exchange, wait for those to clear, buy the cryptocurrency, transfer it to the wallet. And I'm just like, geez, I could have just sent this, this cash via PayPal by now. So I – but that to one side um, – I think this is just an honest reflection. The the respondents of the survey were a pretty good look at like the distribution of gender and things like that in the space as well, weren't it? Yeah. So I I think that you know as with all of these reports, you have to especially take like the surveys with a grain of salt. That, to me, I took this as an interesting uh, internal or inward facing look at the blockchain space and its participants, because I noticed that every single respondent said that they owned cryptocurrency in some capacity. And the majority of them said that they check prices every day. So this isn't like a total general population survey. And it's also worth noting that the respondents skewed dramatically male. They were actually 87% male. And I think that that aligns with like, you know, probably what you would notice as the, the general population of people that are involved in, in cryptocurrency uh, trading right now. Um, and yeah, we yeah. could, we could dig into like how many, you know, other, uh, challenges that that can present for this technology down the line, but at least that's where we're at right now. So it's an yep. interesting, it's a very interesting survey, but you have to understand, you know, that it's, it's mostly representing the sentiment of people that have a vested interest in this space and the technology and are at least somewhat, uh, intrigued by cryptocurrency tech. Uh, at the same time, even though there was all of this sort of honesty about, you know, the the bear market and the state of 
Bitcoin and the lack of usage of it for uh, goods and services. There was, I also noticed general agreement uh, and positivity that there is a lot that is yet to happen in this space that that will happen, like more merchants accepting crypto, um, the Ethereum blockchain having a lot of uh, potential. And I think that this just sort of points to The positive sentiment being for the technology itself and its future implications, rather than like its current state, usage, valuation, that type of thing. Yeah, I think the nature of the technology forces you to think in a time frame that you wouldn't usually for other kind of assets and even just technologies. Um, you are thinking, generally speaking, more more longer term. One, there, there are a couple of parts as well of the the report that I think are definitely worth pouring into. One big piece is like the market interest portion, and we won't dig into this a huge amount. There's some good visualizations in the report around this, but Bitcoin interest tended to skew towards uh, like the price and social aspects. Ethereum interest skews towards like exchange, whereas like XRP was fairly balanced within this section and the the other thing that's worth diving into is the regulation section because there's a there's a really cool map and uh it actually shows the state of regulation all around the world where it's legal where it's illegal where it's like unregulated where there's more restrictions and i just think like we talk about this a lot austin but it it's such a cool thing to have that mapped out so we'll we'll make sure we share out the links to to all of this in the in the, in the notes because it's it's definitely a a Sunday reading item, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I think that you'll you'll find a lot of the stuff that you were probably already thinking about the space is fairly well confirmed um, in this report. But there's also some really f- like the the fascinating thing about it is the way that they break down the data and visualize it, like specifically that market interest portion where the, you know you you can maybe you have like you know a personal perception of a, a cryptocurrency where, you know, it's like, oh, I, I feel like, you know, Bitcoin is very strong in terms of the, you know, its price and like its Reddit users and the community around yeah. it and everything like that. But there's not a lot happening on the exchange, whereas, you know, Ethereum, there's a, lo- a lot of exchanges happening all the yeah. time. And then Ripple, yeah, as you mentioned, Matt, like it was interesting to me that it seemed fairly balanced. The only thing uh, that it was lacking was in the network portion, which I think was measuring like nodes and, and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, it, you can get a sense for like what is working well with theoretically with each cryptocurrency and how diversified they are, at least in the qualities that this report feels are necessary in order for the cryptocurrency to do well. Yeah. And I think what better time of the year to to dive into some of this uh, and just take a bit of a look back over the, the whole of 2018. So that's all we have time for today. Uh, I would definitely recommend checking out some of the things that we'll share in the show notes. And if you're in uh, London at any point, go hop into the back of uh, Dave the Crypto Cabbie's cab and go buy some Bitcoin from him, right? Uh, <laughs> but until then, make sure you join us uh, next Friday for another episode of the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. Thanks for listening. 
If you loved this episode and want to show both myself and Austin your appreciation, we'd love it if you could spend some of your time adding a quick review on the iTunes store or your favorite podcasting platform. You can also check out and visit us at thecoinoffering.com. Follow us on Twitter at the coin offering and you know what you want to just shoot us a quick email chat to us make suggestions tell us how terrible we are send us an email at podcast at thecoinoffering.com thanks and hope you enjoy the next episode the contents of the decrypting crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.